You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. So 180, what a lovely round number, 180 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast, the second of a new season. Now we're all firmly rooted into 2024. Bizarre that we are there, but hey, that's just one of the things we're getting old. It sounds like so futuristic. But anyway, uh, my name is Matt Phillips, creator of OneCheckLive.com, and this episode of the Sports Therapy Association podcast is, as always, being recorded live on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel and also on the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page. So if you are listening to the podcast and you're thinking, oh, I'd quite like to join this live and ask questions directly to our guests or network with other people who are in the live lounge, then just head along to YouTube or head along to Facebook page at 8 o'clock on a Tuesday. So in this episode, Team GB Judo Massage for Recovery, my special guest, Steve Miller of growphysioacademy.com, will be talking about the work he has recently done with Team GB Judo athletes, focusing on strategies for optimum recovery, including massage and manual therapy. Uh, before I bring up Steve, let's just say hi to some people who have already joined in the live lounge. Um, when you do join us live, what I can do is bring your comment or question up on the screen. So now Penny is here from Soma Sports Massage Therapy saying hello, hello, happy new year. Hey Penny, how are you doing? Hope you're well. Sabrina Monaghan is here as well. Sabrina says hello everyone. And also Glenn Murphy, of course, is here holding up the live lounge. As always, hello Sabrina, Soma and all and other people are coming through as well. So like I say, listen to the podcast and you fancy doing something at eight o'clock. Um, and joining other like-minded therapists, then this is where we are, this is what we're doing. So um, a big thank you to last week's guest in episode 179 um, of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. It was called Being a Soft Tissue Therapist in 2024, um, in which we discussed what 2024 will, should, and could bring soft tissue therapists. And joining me were Gary Benson, founder of the SDA, and also I had the pleasure, and I really value the time giving up SDA members, Alex Moore, sports massage therapist and equipment pilates instructor Emmy tester back on tracks of tissue therapy also joining me was ben mace crosley of repose injury rehab and the great mighty stevie Barr of fit through life and the scottish therapist facebook group so thank you guys for giving up your time if you do want to listen to that there's loads of interesting discussion real life talk from real life therapists talking about their fears and expectations and hopes and goals and um, for 2024 so i really recommend you have a little listen to that um very very relevant for all of you um and you can listen to that obviously as always on any popular podcast app whether it's android or whether it's iphone or if you want a visual and see who you're listening to then you can go along to youtube and also the video i embed are at the sta.co.uk so all those options for you right then so tonight team gb judo massage for recovery with my special guest steve miller who i shall bring up now you're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey Steve, how are you doing? Hi Matt, yeah good, thank you, thanks for having me. No, my pleasure, my pleasure, this is how this we makes things move, don't we? It seems like a week ago I bumped into you at Therapy Expo and we chatted and, uh, and now you're here. It's all escalated very quickly, hasn't it, really? 
know, it has. But it's nice as well because Therapy Expo feels like a lifetime away, but it's great that it just reminds me that it's a great place to meet, to network, to meet new people, which is always so important to people you haven't spoken to before. So I almost feel guilty that I haven't um, seen your work before, uh, but that's because I live in my bubble, like everyone. But really pleased I did meet you, and now we're here sharing your expertise. So thank you for coming along. Well, I'm honoured to be here, mate. Yeah, it all just started with a little random introduction, didn't it, really? And then here we are. It really did. That's that's the power of Therapy Expo people um, meeting others. It's really great. So um, that was your you been Therapy Expo. You spoke last year as well, didn't you? Yes. So last year I spoke a little bit around injury prevention uh, and a little bit around calf injuries. And then this year, yeah, I did a little bit of an introduction around the project that we're working on at the moment in British Judo to try and prevent uh, injuries, really. It's a very injury-prone world, so there's quite a lot that we've done to try and up that, up the sort of ownership, really, of the athletes in that field and boost recovery and all that kind of thing, which I'm more than happy to share, really. Fantastic. Looking forward to talking to you about that. It's interesting, I must say, because we do get some feedback sometimes. I mentioned this to you off-air that yes, you're a physio, and we do get emails sometimes going, why do you invite some of your guests to physios? And it's not true, they're not all physios. We've had surgeons, doctors, professors, rehab specialists, but there's this kind of little bit of a stigma that sports therapists and sports massage therapists are concerned. Um, a lot of the time it's because they, they feel a little bit inferior. I say we feel a bit inferior to physios, but I should stress that Steve spent most of the time at Therapy Expo taping, didn't you? You had two demos. Um, and you're very active yourself and um, you're from rugby is that your sport for a while yeah well that's where I worked I never ever played rugby well I played a lie I played once and got absolutely melted a few times and then just decided it's not not the sport for me and stuck with football and tennis but yeah I, I had worked in rugby so yeah we did tons and tons of taping uh, exactly. every single day as you can imagine and then yeah my big thing was just trying to sort of how can we upskill and, and help the rest of the gang out because there's so many techniques, but it's actually quite simple once you learn the process and something you can apply in clinics, in private practice, in NHS, in anywhere, really. That's brilliant. And there's some great videos which we'll mention and, and shortly on your website and everything. But yeah, it was, it was, it's, we got some great feedback at Therapy Expo that there was a lot of practical stuff and, and it wasn't just, obviously, that you did a presentation yourself. And like you mentioned, um, in one of the theatres, which was empowering active populations, athletes to reduce injuries. Also, yeah, you're very hands-on and active. So, and that's reflected in your websites, which um, I'd like to talk about. It'll give us a little bit of an idea of where you come from. Um, there's a couple going on, which I'll, I'll invite you to explain. So first of all, and people, if you want to visit these websites, then the first one's on the screen now. Um, that was grow or is growphysio.com. And some amazing videos on there, and it's it's lovely website, mate. By the way, it's so you introducing, talking, sharing, and there's so much information on there. Um, and I believe that was first, which I'm going to give you a chance to talk in a second. But then also, um, we've got GrowPhysioAcademy.com, which it seems to me is where the course side of it, both face to face and online, um, is. So yeah, talk to me about why you created and founded these websites, and why we've got two now. It's over to you. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. Thanks for sharing this, really. Grow Physio is something that was never intended to be born, if you like, but was one of those babies in lockdown where I'd relocated to Manchester, uh, expecting to go and do more professional sport work, 
went down basically for my wife's job uh, and then all the bubbles closed. So I just started to put together a lot of the videos and clips and things that I pulled together in the programs um, from the world that I just left, which was working in Premiership Rugby at Newcastle Falcons Rugby Club. Um, so I had loads of them on my phone and things that I'd recorded. The guys really liked the the rehab journey. So they went from their initial injury all the way through and I created it for them as part of that. But then once we kind of stepped out of that, I had a fair bit more time than I've ever had in my life. Uh, so I started putting together just some free teaching bits and pieces uh, for physique, for some friends who were lecturers, who were all struggling with the online stuff and not having enough time like everyone else was. Um, so yeah, I just basically went on a little bit of a campaign to help out. A lot of people said, you should stick this on a website so more people can benefit. And that was the whole premise of what I tried to do really was just to give people an access into professional sport really so it's something that I felt like I didn't have growing up uh, wanted to try and take a, a leap into that world so it was something where I thought how can you be a fly on the wall but in these quite close-knit bubbles where people don't get access this is probably the next best thing that I can do really uh, I just remember we used to get probably about 30 requests for placements every single month that used to come through at the club and naturally you can't appease all of them uh, but there was obviously a big hunger there to see it. So I just thought I'll share it all. Uh, and then, yeah, had a friend who had a website, stuck it all on uh, growphysio.com. Uh, that was the initial one. It was done on a very shoestring budget um, and it just didn't deliver what I wanted to. We outgrew it quite quickly. And then basically we created the Grow Physio Academy, uh, which was basically geared towards talking people through every step of the journey that athletes may well go on right from their injury, how long it'll take, how you plan it, all the treatments and interventions, mobilizations, soft tissue things, taping things, what you maybe do during rehab, uh, and then often like a case study to kind of show how that whole journey may look in, in normal life, really. So that's what the academy is. Um, what the plan is to for growphysio.com is that what I'll do is start to put a lot of the programs that we've used along that journey together. So if you have a specific injury, what will happen in the future is you can then jump on, print that off, and you've just basically got a six-week, six to eight-week plan maybe for someone who's had a an MCL grade two, something like that. Um, so then they can just follow it step by step. It saves you tons of time. Um, and then you can just, yeah, issue that and then focus in on the quality of it, really. Fantastic. That gives us a lovely insight into it. We've got a, I've got a summary from Tim Greek here. It says, Steve is a legend, full of knowledge. Yeah. There you go. A romantic man, Tim. <laughs> an ex, uh, maybe even current, definitely an ex-Grow uh, Physio member. So, yeah, nothing but admiration for that man. He always oh, needs positivity. So that's that's nice great approach. timing, Tim. Very good. <laughs> um, we should point out that, that non-physios are okay to visit your salon, are they? Because I see you've chosen Grow Physio as the name. That's okay for other therapists to visit it? Yeah, I originally just set it up as that because it was, uh, in my head, I had a, a grow thing, as in you can grow, you can develop. I had a little man who was growing and all of it fit together and then I was a physio. But the way that it's panned out, I would say that 90% of the people who are on there are probably sports therapists, sports rehab um, related, be it students or qualified therapists. And it's interesting because it's got a really wide range of people from 20 years qualified all the way through to sort of first year that they're even sort of thinking about doing just sports massage related things. So it's really got a good wealth. It's quite nice because we have a, a get together once a month and we sort of meet online, talk through anything that people have, any career help support, anything like that, really. 
Excellent. Um, I did read, and there's some great information about the background and why it's set up on the website as well. But and you just mentioned it here that, that one of the reasons why you felt you wanted to put the material up there is because there is a real challenge to deliver clinical placements in elite sport. And I wondered in the experience you've had uh, before and, and during the running of this site whether there is a case now where these sort of roles are going to non-physios? Are there more sports therapists involved, maybe with the judo team or with other teams you've worked with and sports rehab specialists, or is it still a little bit of a naturally they just go and advertise for a physio? It's a real mix, isn't it? I think you're going to get your traditionalists. I know my old head physio in rugby was quite that way inclined. He was very much, I want a physio and that's all I want. But actually, as time evolved, even with him, we brought on a sports rehab specialist, which was brilliant for the late stage, way better than we were at the time at doing that. Uh, and then we, yeah, we had sports therapists supporting us within. So we have two sports therapists helping out with the British judo. Uh, at the centre at the moment. They are currently studying sports therapy, but they're doing almost a placement. So a couple of times a week, they will come in, they'll help us with some of the soft tissue work, they'll get a chance to kind of assist with the screening, the monitoring, uh, some of the sort of data collection stuff's a bit boring. So I try not to bore them with it. Um, but actually, it's quite a nice one to be involved and almost be by their side while and they can watch people assessing things next to them and, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's certainly a more active role than some of the ones that I've had in the past where they've I've gone to shadow a, a local rugby club and been stuck in a converted shower sort of thing back in the back end of nowhere where there's no visibility it's just I want you to rub this calf and I want you to rub it for 20 minutes and then say see you later and you don't really learn that way so I'm a big believer that you should have somebody with you supporting you nurturing you helping you grow develop that kind of way so um yeah they seem to be getting a lot out of it um they haven't left yet which is good I think sometimes it is just a case of, like you say, traditionalists or people just use that physiotherapy as, as just the umbrella term for somebody who can do. But when you look at what the roles of that person can be, it opens it up to sports therapists, mm -hmm. to sports rehab specialists, sometimes sports massage therapists, even sometimes more so than a physio because the physio might not specialise. You call yourselves a sports physio mm -hmm. um, and, and it's something which we go over again and again because there's so much within physiotherapy and you teach it as well as sports physiotherapy, as well as you teach sports and exercise medicine as well, so and, and sports therapy. Sometimes non-physios don't realize that so much of what a physio learns is not necessarily gonna be relevant in a sports field. And they kind of think they're gonna be better in the sports arena and they don't realize. So just give us some of the ideas of stuff which people leave, because you teach all of it. What are some of the things which people learn in physiotherapy degree, which they're not going to learn and probably not going to need within a sports therapy situation? Mm. And if I may, what I might do, Matt, is just start off by saying, so I teach on sports therapy courses and sports physio masters. I speak, teach on the, the BSc for the physio courses and also a sports rehab course as well, as well as some college things as well. So. I would say, as a, and this isn't this is a genuine hand on heart one. I'm not one to make things up, but the standard of sports therapy stuff, uh, the the students in terms of their engagement and understanding of injury related problems, is far superior to what a physiotherapist is at that level. I think the the way it's geared, the the teaching is obviously all around sport and assessment and treatment and talking about some of the options in terms of rehab. 
as well as doing some of that acute most of the courses now include some sort of pitch side course don't they and they offer something that way so I think it's a real it's been a real eye-opener for me because you can actually have that next level discussion whereas some of the physios and this is this is totally me as well when I qualified I wouldn't have known what syndesmosis was I had a very very narrow collection of things that I knew about MSK and it was probably only because I was quite interested in it that I went and did external courses and spent most of my weekends in the early days almost trying to bolster that knowledge but the standard of the the discussion and the actual ideas creativity thinking about progressions regressions all those sorts of things from the sports therapy lot is far better um that I've come across even on a vast master's course for physio so it's an interesting one um you do get certainly within physio a broader scope uh if you are going to pursue a physio undergraduate degree, what you're going to have to do with some baseline hours. You normally, when I qualify, do 2,000 clinical hours, and that's spread across four main key areas. So you've got orthopedics, respiratory, neuro, and MSK. And then the other ones, you get a real mishmash, to be honest. My first ever placement that I had at Sheffield Hallam was HIV and hematology, which when I initially applied to do physiotherapy, that would have been... I wouldn't even had that on my radar as a possibility. But we obviously spent a lot of time with people who were diagnosed with HIV. Obviously, it comes with muscular atrophy problems in sort of later stages. So a lot of it was trying to keep the muscle development and things going. But it was, again, something that you'd never be exposed to. Respiratory was eye-opening, neuro was eye-opening. So you do get to see a really wide breadth of things. So I think when the only difference that I think I've probably come across is and this is probably a trait of all new graduates is you want to try and pigeonhole diagnoses based on what you know. So you almost try and make the symptoms fit into those boxes. I think physio probably is aware of more d- different diagnoses that are non-MSK. And I think picking up on them, they've probably got that little extra layer to maybe delve in going, you know what, this isn't for me. This is for rheumatology. This is for neuro a little bit earlier maybe and I have sort of seen this working alongside sports therapists that when they've gone this person's not really getting any better and you've gone well actually there's these underlying things that this sounds like an inflammatory problem or whatever and sometimes it's it sort of seems just a little bit brand new and it might just be the people that I've worked with so it's not reflective of everybody by any stretch but I think there's just that slightly broader spectrum if you like of awareness of some other conditions and if you think how many there are that a GP has to know compared to a physio has to know compared to a sports therapist has to know. I think that's probably one of the the key differences that I would just say. That, um, so if you wanted to improve, it would just be to try and probably be a little bit more aware of some of the the flags, the yellow flags, the red flags that maybe are just indicating this doesn't quite sound like one that will respond to X, Y, Z. Um, but that's challenging. It doesn't matter how qualified or experienced you are, you can still miss them. Um, but yeah, certainly in the worlds that I work in now, it sort of just becomes narrower and narrower, a healthy group of individuals. But even now, yeah, we've sort of working with some of the visually impaired athletes actually in British judo, they often have comorbidities that exist. And it's been fascinating actually learning about some of the the other side effects and things and how some of those conditions will deteriorate and what we can do about them, really. And actually, we're not always the person to deal with it, and no one actually 
let's ship this on as quick as we can to get it in front of the right person at the right time. That's great. That's a really wonderful insight. Um, and it should, I think, empower sports therapists and sports rehab specialists and sports massage therapists who are listening because as far as your arena and your 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 scope of practice of working with athletes there's so much you can do but and one of the things we try and do with this podcast is raise awareness of those red flags and a lot of the time it boils down to improving your subjective and not just jumping into trying to use the hammer you've got mm. you know it's, it's spending a bit more time listening active listening opening it up so they do start talking about things which could be related to a rheumatological thing and all of our guests have been kind of reinforcing that because a lot of the time especially with massage therapists who are going to move on to now you, they will be the first port of call because the person will come in with aching muscles and they just want that hour they're going to be able to lie down relax and and that's where the massage therapist as we've seen in, in, on this show is can be so valuable in recognizing asking the questions recognizing those ready out flags and passing them on and sometimes saving that person 10 years of misdiagnosis, whether they go to a physio or not, whether they go to the GP, it surrenders some of these masquerading um, um, problems out there. So, yeah, really good to hear that from you. That's all right, right then. I so the, I just think the other thing on that, which is quite an interesting one, is the, the power of that therapeutic touch, isn't it? So you, you massage while you're in the moment of massaging or doing soft tissue work or releases or whatever. There are when someone's got their face maybe in a hole and they're not looking at that person, they often then reveal certain bits and pieces around the story that led up to them becoming injured or developing these symptoms. Or they might say that, you know what, my mum or my grandma has actually got this condition. And, and actually, sometimes it's that amount of time that you have with them and you just get to know them a bit better. They let their guard down a little bit, certainly compared to a GP five minute in and out sort of thing. It's it's it does give you an option and it's not that you know the answers, but actually it might be that if you pop them in the notes um, and kind of build a portfolio or, I mean, the toughest thing I think is if you come across some sort of skin thing or something growing and you just obviously kind of naturally want to kind of refer that on to the relevant people, don't you, for biopsies, investigations, whatever it is. Um, but actually if someone has been uh sort of thinking about it for a little while again it might be it might not be new to them they just need that reinforcement that actually yes i do need to go and get that checked out uh so we we do have a, a huge responsibility uh across all all of us true it's great good to hear right then so we will we know a little bit about you then um we've mentioned that you teach loads we've mentioned that you you were talking about judo tonight you've worked in other sports as well you've represented medical teams in english premiership rugby uh, British gymnastics, tennis, but yeah, we're going to focus on judo um, tonight. Is that because you've been at the Olympics and um, Commonwealth Games? Was that with judo or was that with other teams as well? No, so I went with volleyball, beach volleyball at London, uh, and then hockey was where I was for both Commonwealths. Um, right. From there, yeah. So it's been a bit of a mishmash, really. I know, but it's really interesting because. Well, it's a conversation for another day. But sometimes therapists think they have to choose one sport, specialise in that, and always the sport they practice in. And it's funny because have I put this like when you when we spoke at Therapy Expo and I was chatting with you and you saying, Oh yeah, judo, judo. I was thinking, well, look at this guy. You can't if you listen to podcasts, you can't see, but this guy could be a judo practitioner. I've got to be called now, judokis or something. Or... Judokas. Judokas, yeah. is it? Yeah, judokas. Yeah. You could be a joker, but then again, you could be a rugby player. You just got that physique and look and kind of glint where you could be involved in that kind of like hand-to-hand combat style scenario. I don't know whether that's a compliment or not, but it's just uh, yeah, 
I don't know, most rugby players and rugby judokas, I think, have got a little crazy streak. In them, <laughs> that must be the vibe I give up, Matt. But it's interesting because you, you, you work with these elites judokas and yet you have you ever practiced at all is it by working with them have you decided i'm gonna do a little bit of this just to see you know, oh definitely not no <laughs> no absolutely the uh they're probably the polar opposite to be fair really I mean, I keep threatening that in the background i'll learn and then one day i'll just jump on the mat and, and nail them but i mean i've got no chance like they are <laughs> they're brilliant at what they do obviously the, the levels uh we actually this weekend just had a what's called like an open national squad training where you you open the doors to all the best people around the country and yeah, you can sort of obviously some people will be there or thereabouts, but there's all different levels, isn't there? And you can think you're all right at judo, and then yeah, we've got a couple of world number ones who in the girls' side, and they just catapult them like to the other end of the the dojo, and you go, God, they are absolutely <laughs> nails these lot. Excellent, yeah, but it's kind of, it's kind of refreshing to know that you can work and help these people even though you don't play their sport. I think there's a little bit of a fear of that as well as I can never help this runner because I don't run, or I can't help this footballer because I don't play football. I think it helps knowing the pressures they're going through and and that sort of stuff. I think often for athletes it's very similar, isn't it? But yeah, so we're talking about recovery, recovery for um, judo, and obviously your experiences with elite. How does massage fit into it? We were talking a little bit before when you. And you mentioned that traditionally massage hasn't been used maybe as much as it could or should be. Mm. Um, is that something you found when you started working with these teams? Or Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? The, the cultures of various people's backgrounds and sports and levels really does present a, a certain different expectation of how much soft tissue work is required. It was fascinating, actually, because I know I work like I've got quite a few friends who work in Prem football and they are obviously very reliant on massage. They often make a little bit of a contract sometimes as well, which means that if someone's coming back from a certain injury or whatever, they have to actually part of their agreement is the therapist will do this. But actually the um, the player themselves have to have a massage of a certain area and it's part of their sort of agreement non-written but almost like this is what will keep you on the pitch and available and what have you as part of a wider package um rugby was a bit of a an interim one so some of the athletes or certainly some of the south americans i would say were the ones who really wanted a lot of hands-on some of the more senior members uh definitely the the emphasis on us fixing them instead of maybe them having some part of uh some involvement ownership accountability of it was very foreign to them uh we ended up with them almost coming up with a little strategy actually that i stole from one of my colleagues which was uh if we do x amount of work 10 minutes i require 20 minutes from you over the course of the rest of the day to foam roll to stretch to mobilize to whatever so it was almost yes we're going to offer you this but actually as part of that if i do this either you can match it or you do a little bit more something like that so uh, sometimes it gets them a little bit more on board. It's sort of you do some great work and then they have the sort of the tools to to get on top of it themselves. And then in judo, if I'm honest, going into that world, they've only had one physio um, who's unbelievable. No idea how he's kept afloat with about 35 fighters across the program. But inevitably, there's not the time for him to spend loads of time with each individual doing loads of soft, soft tissue work. So it's fascinating, really, because his level of rehab has had to be so good that it doesn't necessarily require as much of that soft tissue. But actually, now we've got me in. Now we've got some extra support with some of the sports therapists who come in. 
it's actually become much more part and parcel of that process, really. So you still certainly, and we certainly still do a lot of the rehab to a really high level, which hopefully means that some of these lot don't need as much soft tissue. But when you think there's a, there's been a girl recently who's just retired and she's had, she's just having a 13th significant operation. Um, so like stuff on neck, couple of spinal things, two, three ACLs, elbow dislocations, shoulder dislocations, like these people are reliant in some ways on a very high level of neuromuscular control and stability. And I think if they, the poor things ever stop doing that, then unfortunately they're going to require tons and tons of that sort of soft tissue input. And some of them are just in that middle ground really where, you know what, they're doing this rehab stuff, they're fighting, traveling all around the world, picking up grumbles, niggles and what have you. And actually the, the benefits of that regular input of soft tissue is really making a massive difference to their range of motion, their sort of almost fire ability. So they're able to do, remember one girl, we just did a little bit of work through sort of hip mobility, hamstring mobility work, release stuff. And she was like, I can't believe this. I've, I can now do this uh, throw and foot sweep or whatever it may be that, that I've never been able to do because I don't have that mobility available to me normally. So that extra range creates opportunities to attack or defend or whatever better than where they were before. And it's it's that powerful that you can do a bit of work with someone and actually the, the translation onto performance. And the beauty at the moment, I think, with them is they haven't had very much soft tissue. And once they've started to get it, their body's gone, oh my God, I've needed this for absolutely ages. And I'm not w- waking up in a sort of horrible croissant shape in the morning and just taking me ages to to get up They're They're almost getting up out of bed and feeling like they're ready to go. And yeah, when, when you're in a weight making sport where nutrition's down, they're maybe not sleeping very well. They'll travel to all the sort of far Eastern bits and bobs there. It's a real challenge, uh, physically, physiologically, psychologically, it's all really tough for them. So this stuff is yeah, really good. That's very interesting. And I'm going to make a note of that cross on shape. I like that. It's going to sum up somebody who's just woken up and they can't move and all bent over. That's great. Um, so when you were talking there, it was interesting. Because um, in judo, did you think that some of the success of the soft tissue work is because judo does require maybe more mobility and flexibility with the leg sweeps, with the throws, with the positions they get themselves into and out of? Is that where some of the success from manual therapy and massage comes in mm, absolutely so a lot of our athletes which again i've learned a lot from this so this is all me spouting this after working in it for about a year but if you'd asked me a year ago i wouldn't give you anything um but actually a lot of the the athletes have had a previous background work in gymnastics so they've often as used gone through gymnastics that's given them that sort of underlying uh sort of flexibility mobility that you have But it's fascinating because you look at some of the positions that they get into and I would break into in an instant, like bits of my limbs would fall off. But we had one girl actually who went into like a full sort of pancake split and then had while she was trying to throw basically a foot slipped because I think it was a bit sweaty or the, the mat was a little bit whatever, went into a split position while she had somebody sort of up above her head and about to try and throw on her back. But inevitably lost a foot in and then in that pancake position the whole body weight of that athlete came down and 
Normally, you would probably expect that to be like a proximal hamstring avulsion injury. And somehow she got away with it with a little bit of soreness, a little bit of tightness. And it's just fascinating because if she didn't have that range available, she would have been undoubtedly a surgical candidate, if not career end of that. So mm-hmm. there's a huge flexibility, mobility part to this. And although a lot of them are quite on the grip a lot of the time, to get themselves out of certain attack positions or go into certain attack positions, it requires a massive amount of extra mobility, flexibility, power to almost flip a defense into attack almost. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, if you, I used to watch it and think it was a fairly straightforward sport sort of thing. But when you watch the, the lighter ones in particular, it's it's fascinating um, how different the heavyweights are versus the lightweights mm-hmm. and how important that mobility is. And obviously we have the, the beauty of looking back at injuries or mechanisms as they happen. And yeah, some of the, the ranges that they can achieve is huge. So yeah, we've just done our screening actually. And yeah, it's really impressive the ranges of motion and things that these lot can, can achieve. But if they lose that and get tighter um, through the massive amount of training load, as I say, lots of travel, whether or not nutrition plays a part in it, they basically very quickly become quite stiff and tight and then they just can't perform. So yeah, that extra little bit of input of soft tissue work has made a huge difference performance-wise to a lot of them. Very interesting. Right, the questions are coming in now live now, so I don't want to ignore these lovely, lovely people. So I'm just going to read some of them out if that's okay with yeah, you. And Jamie Gargit, who shared the post. Thanks for doing that, Jamie. I appreciate it when people let their compare. I think Jamie's a fighter himself or trains. Um, he says, hello, Steve. What tends to be the structure of the physio sports therapy system at the centre? Uh, so at the moment, what we have, and what you've got to remember sometimes in a, a judo or an Olympic sport is there is not a great deal of cash available. So that's why we've had one physio, one full-time SNC uh, with around 35 athletes. So what we rely on really and what the club uh, or the, the system has done for a little while is they've got a little bit more money in, um, which is why I've come on board and another SNC has come on board and a, a nutritionist and a, a lifestyle um specialist really so we've got a few more bodies on the ground which help really to sort of help with the psychological side physical side of that the two sports therapists are both students so they are part of the judo national training center of excellence is on the university of wolverhampton's walsall campus so it's a unique setup uh, in that we have massive advantages because we're on site which means that we get to use a lot of the sports science equipment that's around they've got a physiotherapy course and they've also got a sports therapy course that runs from there but we take on the sports therapists because they're generally better um at the sports related things so they're second years we take on two uh, and basically what we do is we we bring them in a couple of times a week and yeah so they support us so they're not employed staff but they're taken on for the full academic year the third one that we have so we had one last year who was so good we've actually kept her on for a second year so we've now got three sports therapists who kind of come in and help as and when really so if they want to come in watch the rehab in the morning when we're taking the athletes who the injured athletes through their program they can do what normally happens is a couple of times is they will come in and assist with some of the soft tissue work uh, and then a bit of shadowing from there if we have 
screening days, testing days. Uh, again, it's really nice because then they get a bit more familiar with some of the equipment. They get used to using it, so they carry out some of the testing alongside us. Uh, and then they obviously get to look at the analysis of where everybody is and what we're going to work on. So from the testing, obviously the worst thing is you just give them the testing results and do nothing about it. We try and get them involved if we can with some of that process. Well, based on that, what injuries may they be a little bit more predisposed to? And then what are we going to do about it? So what do we need to work on? And it's quite nice, really, because you can get their ideas, add in some extras, and then almost get them to to run some of that. So it's, um, it's a really nice relationship, really. Great question, Jeremy. Thanks for that. And keep the questions coming if you um, have any, if you're in the live lounge. Um, Penny says, this is very interesting. We're glad we're keeping you awake there, Penny. It's good. It is very interesting. Um, it's lovely hearing from somebody who works with these elites. Um, you've got Ryan here. I was, wondering, I was wondering how long it's going to be before someone asks. Any work placements for soft tissue therapists and British judo, particularly Welsh judo? How do people get around? How do these are these students you mentioned people that you teach, or how do they get involved in it? How do they get the gig? So I've just started teaching on the uh, sports therapy of the sports. What is it? The strength and I think it's like the strength and conditioning one as well, but. Basically, there's two different courses and um, they've actually just got like a luxurious new facility. Actually, they've got like a one point five million pound refurb gym with a lovely little teaching studio on the side, really. So it's been quite nice to teach them. They are basically they go through a little bit of an interview process. So they show initial interest. So we open it up to the sports therapy course. The people who are interested will generally kind of put their names in a hat. We'll talk to the lecturer and kind of say, of these maybe which is sort of top five or six uh and then we'll interview them and then bring those two on really uh, as i say with the one who did the placement last year has then stayed on for some extra time as well uh so she was dead useful so then she almost acts as like a little bit of a mentor as well so she gets a little bit of a leadership role looking after the, the year twos as a year three um person so uh i guess in terms of the the question on there, we only have capacity for what is meant to be two, but now we have three students who come in. So I don't mind if people are mad keen on sort of coming down and having a little look around. We can do ad hoc things, but it wouldn't necessarily be a placement. We wouldn't be able to accredit it. There's just not the capacity to do that. Um, but if people are interested in seeing what judo is all about, then uh, it's a world that I've been really impressed by. Uh, in terms of, I wasn't sure what the caliber of athlete would be like, but these guys are incredible athletes, actually. Um, way, way superior to what I'd envisaged. And I'm kind of quite open with that, to be honest, in terms of uh, the guys. It's not something that I knew much about. Um, we do have a, a Welsh girl who's on the cusp. People who know judo will know um, who she is. Uh, she's a Welsh judoka who basically is split between the Welsh system and the National Training Centre, which is centralised. In Wales, they don't have a formal judo uh, setup, to my understanding. What they generally have is uh, a little bit like what they have in the, the UK Sports Institute, really, where you have physios who cover multi-sport. So they may cover various different Olympic sports, depending on who they see, because there's not that many high enough level judokas in Wales to my understanding or there's not enough funding to then have a specific 
unit. They do have people who are firmly attached to her um, in terms of SNCs and physios who have worked with her for a long time, but I believe that they're sort of more of a multi-sport role. So that is fascinating if that's an area that people want to explore. I think it gives you a really nice introduction to lots of different sports. So if you want variety, much like working in a university, somewhere like that, who work with like team sports teams and what have you that, that represent the uni it gives you a lovely flavor of various different things that you can work on so that in the past um has been an appeal because i don't have a specific area that i really only want to become niching um but yeah i think it's it's something that if people are interested it's probably worth contacting um the powers that be within that sort of welsh institute of sport i'd say and maybe try and wangle some time there. It sounds like there might be it might be a market that's rel- relatively untapped. Then maybe and even people who do judo, like local clubs, um, local competitions and things, might not realise the benefits. So I think although you don't have to do the sport to get in there, I think if, for example, I don't know Ryan whether you practice judo or not. I don't know, um, but I mean, if you do, I think it gives you a, an open door if you're starting from you know lower down because. I mean, I've done martial arts myself. And when I started off before getting into running, I was like, oh, I'm going to really work with all the martial artists. And there's, you know, when it really kicking off and those people were getting into it. But I soon found out that, you know, it's the person in the gym, the person training at the dojo, who's also a sports therapist or something, who will probably get most of the trade. But um, yeah, maybe, here we go, Ryan. It's, it's you now. You could quote this podcast. You could let people know that there's plenty of benefits from soft tissue work and massage. Um, it's they're doing it in elites. Um, send them to this podcast if you like, and then maybe they'll you'll start getting some clients, and then uh, and then yeah, then you can work coming out from there. That might be an idea. Mm. Um, I always think um, there are always always going to be injured athletes in and around martial art world. So much like CrossFit, I know there's a lot more money in CrossFit often. Um, so people will invest in their bodies and making sure that they are ready to train at the best that they possibly can. But I think it's an evolving world where people start to recognize, actually, if I do have an ACL injury and I'm off the map for a year, what can I do to prevent that happening? Um, and can I get some sort of yeah, release work here, some strengthening, additional, improve your physical qualities so you therefore don't get injured? I think even if you had to go in and do a little presentation almost as in go in and say, these are some of the things that we would offer. This is some of the timescales if you get injured. But actually these programs have reduced the prevalence of this injury for whatever reason. Um, it might be a useful one to to do, really. Um, we try and filter quite a lot down into the, the grassroots, but if I'm honest, it is incredibly behind in terms of approaches to physicality. So even some of the girls on our program that's the, the centralised centre for excellence, I sent a few of them across the road the other day to jump on a, because um, we're getting our gym refurbed at the moment, sent them across to a public gym and just said, jump on the leg press, jump on the extension machine. And they were like, I haven't got a clue what they are. So they've been on a mat their whole lives and are amazing, amazing at judo. But actually the physicality properties and, and engagement with any of that sort of rehab strength and conditioning side is lagging quite a lot behind, which is why I think a lot of them, when you look at them landing and jumping in, in a screening world, they look awful, but put on a mat and they look like a, a swan gracefully cruising around out there. So, yeah, definitely recommend sort of going in and, and 
maybe even share some of your, your knowledge for free initially. And I think things will probably evolve. It's a good idea. And um, Ryan does a follow up. He doesn't actually practice himself, um, but uh, he's wondering what sort of level. I mean, you mentioned that people who are employed at the elite level, the Team GB are on a degree. So that's the level. Well, I guess it depends on you know what job you're going for and you know there's there's different ways of getting to that standard with the correct CPD isn't it at the end of the day you're offering services mm. you know you're offering um you know this helping people achieve goals so you've got a CV that can demonstrate that your level four at the moment Ryan which we had this conversation last week about the levels the levels are really tricky it depends when you've done them all but obviously you need to be able to work with injuries and we're talking and um, Gary will fill you in here but yeah we're talking level four and upwards um, but then also I think this is where the CPD really counts it's where you need to make the good choices um, and uh, and definitely red flags as well being able to notice so all those courses and CPDs we've talked about spotting and the masqueraders and things I think would be really important as well and also as a therapist just not being not being afraid to not know the answer not just chasing this one thing because that's what you, you that's the only thing you can do it's, it's working with others multidisciplinary care i think it's not being afraid eventually with time you start referring out and then you realize actually i can do this you know and, and you get more confidence but yeah just not being afraid to refer out and look after an athlete as one of maybe three or four people to start off is that fair to say steve do you think it's i 100 percent agree with you matt i think when i look at somebody's cv now i look at what they've done surplus to whatever the sort of the the course has been because there's a lot of people who just come out with a degree and it might be a really good degree but you want that little bit of extra something that shows that actually I'm really passionate I'm willing to invest a little bit in myself um and I've done xyz and, and that often if it's something like a taping course or it's something like a first aid course or a pitch side course or they've learned something like mulligan techniques or whatever it may be it just shows a little bit more of a you know what outside of that box and you can do these if you're at uni as well like you can give yourself a day or two i know these courses aren't always that cheap and what have you but i really think it sets you aside and sort of even if you go in and this is a i'm sure you've discussed this before and and it's a constant gripe that you go and to get experience often initially it is voluntary and it's not paid and people are qualified and you go it's ridiculous that you're not getting paid as a qualified professional to come and do this. Unfortunately, at the moment, that is kind of the nature of the beast and it shouldn't be that way. But actually, if you have gone and volunteered at a, a games or an athletics event or you've gone, you know, it's lovely to go and volunteer at Commonwealths and Olympics and things. But actually, if that's not available to you, what else maybe have you done a little bit of? And I'm not saying standing in the rain on a Sunday in, in the middle of December's the best thing looking after like a an under 14 team but if you if you're with somebody who's teaching you and developing you then actually there are benefits of, of doing that so um yeah i definitely think people with a bit of experience and adding little extra golden nuggets onto their cv are, are really nice little additions to have it certainly sets you aside great excellent great advice there um Jamie's replied here. Jamie says, thanks, Steve. That's helpful to know. I work with full-time squad players who chose to be outside the Walsall programme. There we go. So yeah. thanks, Jamie, for that question. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, continues inspiring people here with this idea of working with um, judokas. And Sabrina said, my husband and three boys do judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and absolutely love it. Great watching them and love to get involved doing soft tissue work. Yeah, so um, it's having the confidence getting in there, talking to a few people. 
And, and again, direct them to this podcast if you like. It's quite strong when you've got somebody from like Team GB kind of singing the praises of it and, and explaining you know, how it can benefit them. That's, that brings me on to another question, Steve, because you mentioned there like as well as recovery, you've got nutrition, you've got all other factors and, and it's important that the athlete doesn't think that you are fixing them. I love the idea of I'm going to give you 20 minutes of this, but now you've got to show me 40 minutes of something else. Yeah. Do you find, we've talked about this quite a lot, do you find that sometimes the time when you have got that contact which you mentioned, you're building that alliance, that allows you to educate the athletes and, and persuade them they do need to watch out with going out and partying until two in the morning, you know, or they do need to look at their nutrition or their, you know, their sleep. Does it help that contact? It's, I think it's like nothing else, is it? Because you're, that was often, I remember one therapist almost before, it, someone had come to them, like a player had come to them and they'd say, I'm tight here. And what he'd do is he'd say, well, these are your stretches, this is your foam roller, this is what you need to do. And none of them ever went away and did anything. They hated him, they stopped going to him. And, and generally it was just a little bit of a, sometimes I'd go upstairs, speak to the director and go, I'm just not getting what I want. Like I need this and I'm not getting what I need. And to be honest, what I sort of have generally done and it's sort of just fallen this way is almost in the midst of treating and releasing or whatever you're doing, you're just filtering in all of the, this is what I'm doing, this is potentially something that if it helps, you might want to mimic. If I'm not around, then you might want to do this, this, that, and the other. And almost like, wouldn't it be great if I can do the little bits that are almost the icing on the cake and you do, and I do the bits that you can't do. So instead of you coming and sitting in the air for half an hour, we kind of just breaking through the layers. If you break through those layers, then the, the bits that you can't do that are really nice, um, that give you that amazing sort of like, extra wow bit is really rewarding for you as a therapist and also they love it as well because they're like god i feel so much better after going but if they've just basically trained being beaten up on a rugby or a judo mat or something like that and then they come and see you and they're in a in a bit of a hole you're only going to take them so far aren't you in that session whereas actually if they've done a fair bit themselves you get that kind of next level benefit of it really and um I mean, the only thing I can kind of liken it to really is that it's just popped in the head. This I don't normally say this, but basically, I remember when I was going to propose to my missus, uh, we went snowboarding and basically she just finished a week of nights and she was miserable. She hadn't slept at all. So I'm like, I'm not wasting this ring until maybe like she's come up a little bit to that level. So basically, wait till like day three, I'd been falling on this ring that was kind of stuck in the air a few times. So I wasn't very good at snowboarding. Um, but actually, the impact of what I'd done then was far better than taking her from miserable to average. She went from average to slightly less sad, <laughs> hopefully. After that was great. Good yeah, it's just one of those where I think if you can get them on board, get that ownership side of things, get them to check things themselves. And this, this has been part of the project of late, is getting them to come in, do some of the mobility assessments themselves, keeping it very, very simple, stuff like knee to walls, sit and reach, uh, maybe a toe touch. We've done one for hip internal rotation that we don't take them through it. They go through it themselves. And if they are tight, they do some correctives that we've got a guide. And if they are still struggling, then they come to us and work out why and what can we do about it. So it's almost like rather than going, I'm just going to flop on the bed and I want you to fix me. There's an element of actually, I'm going to do what I can. And if I can't do it myself, then actually we get the extra sort of therapists massaging people in um, or the physios to do a little bit of something or see if there is an underpinning sort of pathological 
physical reason why. Is there a little tear or something in there um, that we can assess for? But most of the time, it's just I can't quite get into it to release it or get into that position to mobilize it properly. Mm-hmm. And then because they've got restored that mobility before they train, they're not going on the mat tight, stiff. They've then restored that. And then therefore, maybe if they do get thrown in a weird way or they land a bit awkwardly, they don't get injured because they've got that available range rather than the muscle tearing. Um, so it's just that interesting, actually. He was treating a guy with t- today, actually, with a who basically just he torn his hamstring immediately after being overstretched. And he was sort of very aware that he felt like his hamstring was getting tighter. He hadn't done any of his extras and things for the couple of weeks beforehand. And inevitably kind of over Christmas stuff um, went for a little throw around and and that happened. And he kind of kicking himself going, I know exactly what I should have done. And I've got all the tools that I need to. I was just lazy and didn't do it. And you watch the video of him and you go, there is no way that that range, you had that range normally. But now you don't, and therefore it's kind of then led at speed and with a bit of rotation led to that hamstring tearing. You're now missing six weeks of training and in the Olympic cycle year. Like this could be the difference between you qualifying and not. Um and it's that that important really at the moment in the in the countdown to Paris. Yeah, yeah. So as always as a massage therapist, sports massage therapist, the education plays such a big role as well. You are helping relax the nervous system down, extend, helping with their extensibility and stuff, but you're also, what's coming out of your mouth and going in the ears is such a massive factor as well, isn't it? To help them prevent or reduce the chances of the injury. Yeah, very interesting, great stuff. Um, I wanted to, uh, I mean, it's already, we're talking 55 minutes somehow. Um, I wanted to draw people's attention to, on your website, there's so much information on both um, both of the websites, Grow Physio, uh, particularly on Grow Physio Academy. I'll be on the screen. People said they love the screenshots. Just talk us through. There's so many courses on here. I'll put it on the big screen so people can see. There's so much stuff people can do there in their own time. We'll mention as well some of the face-to-face stuff you do. But um, people looking at the video here, if you listen to the podcast, you might want to go along to the to the YouTube and have a look at the screenshot. But there's courses here, which, like you say, you've built over time from your own experience. There's Achilles practical course, there's anterior thigh quadriceps course. What are some of the courses, there's, there's so many on there, but what are some of the courses you find that people you've got good feedback from and have really helped? Um, yeah, I think the, I've tried to go with a theme for each separate one. So they're all a little bit unique, um, just so you're not covering the same things on each one, really. I think the ones that uh, probably have been the most popular have been the sports taping course that's on mm-hmm. there. Uh, so we go through like an upper and lower limb taping strategies, both with mainly rigid sort of stability strappings uh, and also some of the dynamic kinesio sort of upward dynamic options that are there as well. The one that's not on there, which will be on there, filling that little tiny gap um, that's in there to make it all neat and OCD tidy is the pitch side course. So almost being ready for game day is what it's called. It's, in there, in the in the academy at the moment, but it's not quite finished. So it's got about six different webinars and they're all around that acute management really and that acute assessment. So if you are working pitch side, what do you need to do? Because you don't have five, 10 minutes to assess and do things. You have to be ridiculously on the ball and getting to the crux of the problem and assess that problem immediately and then make a decision about what you're going to do. So. That one, again, from everything from muscle injuries, ligament injuries, but the more sort of significant potential spinal injuries, it just goes through 
a lot of the videos and clips and things from some of the gymnastics uh, and trampolining um, championships that I've worked at and then almost talks you through exactly what you should do with someone who's maybe unconscious, who's fallen uh, away from somewhere like that. Uh, and it's just a really sort of nice step-by-step guide. And, and the reality is, if you are working pitch side, it doesn't matter how good your taping or your uh, massage skills are, if someone goes down and has something significantly wrong with them, the most out of my depth I have ever felt was probably one year into being qualified and last minute uh, someone dropped out from a, a rugby cover and just said, does anyone want to do it? And I didn't have a pitch side course. I was just mad keen, just said, I don't mind going. And someone went down with no sensation, both arms, no sensation, both legs, uh, after being basically speared into the ground in a rugby game. And it's just something that if you haven't done a pitch side course, they are pretty expensive. This is I, it's all pulled from the sort of 11 or 12 years that I've done the Physis course level three. And it's that course is the one that I'd always recommend, but I don't know any others because I haven't done any. So I just recommend the one I've done. Um, I'm sure there's others that are brilliant. Obviously, if you work in football, you do a different one. I think rugby league has a different one. Um, but it's just the one I've always done. And it's the one that the RFU sort of endorse. And it's all used in gymnastics and horse racing and all the kind of nasty, nasty stuff. So that feels... It, when you do something like this, you just feel so much more confident and prepared when you're covering a game. And I think it's, as a bare minimum, I would say that that is something that at the moment, if you did want to go on, probably the cheapest way to do it is just jump on the Grow Physio Academy. It, you could pay 19 quid and you could watch the whole thing. Uh, it's 19 quid a month, no contracts, anything like that. Um so, yeah, that would be my absolute number one uh, recommendation for anyone who wants to work in pitch side. Mm-hmm. If you don't, all the other ones basically go through the theory, the assessment, all of the treatment strategies and interventions. And basically, I've just demonstrated some of the things that I feel like work. Some of them, like a lot of soft tissue stuff, isn't the best evidence based, but actually the things that have consistently improved symptoms and made people far better range of motion wise uh, or made them feel better. They're the ones that I've kind of put in there. Um, so I'd say that they're, they're also quite nice for your cohort really. Excellent. So yeah, definitely worth a, a look at those. And obviously people can do them in their own time. Um, and we're talking about growphysioacademy.com. And then you've got face-to-face stuff as well. There's, if you go along to the website, there is a little calendar kind of thing. that's showing what you're up to. You've got something coming up in a couple of days. Haven't you? What have you got? Or the online huddle? What's that going to be? Uh, the huddle is something that's included in the memberships. Mm-hmm. So if you are a monthly or an annual member, so 180 quid for a year, full year's worth of education, gives you access to everything behind the scenes, uh, all the courses and things, plus sort of exercise libraries and this really. So the online huddle, I've tried to make it a little bit more sport related, but it's basically mentoring. So it's a fairly informal thing. People bring case studies, people bring problems that they've maybe had. Um, I'll sometimes bring some case studies and we'll work through. I'll maybe give you guys some like five, 10 minutes to kind of go in, have a little think amongst yourselves around what is it that you might do with this presentation if it comes into clinic and then almost you guys feedback. And then I sort of sometimes guide you through a little bit on some of the things that I've done maybe these were some of the findings so therefore what were you thinking maybe diagnosis wise okay if it was this diagnosis how long would that maybe take for that to get back to sport and then almost piece the bits and pieces together over 
the month. So yeah, we always meet up once a month, which is a really nice way to kind of touch base with everybody, help support them. I certainly don't have all the answers. There's people with loads more experience in other areas. So it's really nice to get their input as well. Um, but yeah, if you're preparing someone for running or something was a classic one last, last month, what do you need to do? Because every time they go running, they just break down again. And we just looked at that interim period between, well, actually you're doing some strengthening work, but you're not really doing any introduction to impact stuff. So what does that look like? And we just talk through that in a little bit more detail, really. Fantastic. Sounds great. And that's all part of the membership thing. And then you've got face-to-face sports taping courses. I saw Dubai, um, a little bit, uh, someone wants to jump on the place. You're off to Dubai, are you? Yeah, once a year. I'm trying to get more out there more. But uh, yeah, by the time you've gone through November and December, mm. you get a little bit vitamin D deficient. Actually, the nutrition actually, nutritionist rudely actually came round. I think it was pointed directly at me, but he said, "Oh, I've got these vitamin D tablets. Uh, One thousand percent of your daily input. Does anyone want any today?" But he stared at me, so I must look. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I grabbed them off him, but it does give you a little boost then. Good timing. You never had them. Yeah. Um, I can't take neat vitamin D tablets to just do my stomach in, but I do uh, definitely, yeah, as part of something else as a complex in here, I think that's probably yeah. playing a big part. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, but definitely. The best way to sun. I think you've got the best medicine just going in somewhere hot for a while. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it sounds glam. I mean, it's literally like an in and out. So I don't get much sun, but I've got to catch up with a few friends who are out there. And there is one closer to home, though, if people don't want the flamboyance of. Yeah, well, you've got County Durham, you've got Gloucester, you've got a few, haven't you, in, in February, and then March isn't on there. Yeah, so definitely worth checking out and um, the face-to-face taping courses. And um, there's details, like I say, uh, on growphysioacademy.com. And then if people want to follow you, um, social media, you've got time, really, to devote much time to any of the Instagram and Facebooks, have you? Uh, Instagram's one I try and chuck a bit on. So grow.physio's got the most sort of free just I try, I try to sort of if there's an interesting case study or it's got a few things on there at the moment where I think I posted something around sort of the the five best quad exercises today and then Great. there's a little bit around sort of taping demonstrations and just little bits and pieces that it doesn't let you really add much more than a minute does it so Dot physio, fantastic on Instagram now, I think if people google you there's quite a lot of videos of stuff of you as well doing taping stuff there's a lot of material out there so Put in Steve Miller Physio or Steve Miller Taping and, and you'll find loads of quality stuff up there and links. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I think you've got, you've got a little request from Jamie. De, 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 de. What did Jamie say? Here we go. Jamie says, thanks, Steve. That's helped to know. I work for, I oh, know, it's later on. There's another question from Jamie. There is. Jamie says, uh, screen it up. Steve, would it be possible for us to catch up and discuss how we can maybe look at linking up at some point? I couldn't make the ONST session last weekend, but a number of my GB lot were. There you go, Jamie Gargit. Um, he can contact you via the website or, well, you know who he is now as well. Jamie's pretty active on social media as well, so hopefully you two can hook up and sort something yeah. out. Absolutely. Anyone who wants to get in touch, then, then please do so. I'm normally not too bad at getting back. Uh, tomorrow's a good day. I only work three days with the judo, so the other couple of days I try and work on the teaching side of things and help as many folk as possible. Amazing. And Gary Benson, I think, sums it up nicely. Sorry, Gary, I did see this earlier on. Says, I had the pleasure of chatting to Steve at Therapy Expo and immediately thought he talked a lot of sense. This chat reinforces that. Some great information and experience. Very motivating. Indeed. Here, here. Gary. 
great great okay no thank you Steve. it's great it went, it went very quickly i think we're gonna to have to try and drag you back at some point maybe um as i say you know because it's this goes so quickly doesn't it, an hour but there we go people um growphysioacademy.com if you've enjoyed this episode and do please make sure you leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast app you listen to this on or some comments on youtube it really does help to spread the word we've had some amazing insight in this episode and just to reach more people just please share 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 would be great um we'll be back next week uh on tuesday the 16th of january very organized now because it's the beginning of the year um in the studio i'm going to be chatting with david barrow and simon taylor who are the founders of rehabguru.com in an episode entitled end-to-end patient management with the rehab guru so we're going to be talking about everything rehab guru basically does if you're not aware of rehab guru then as well as exercise prescription you've got basically looking after your clients from the very beginning so bookings appointments patient forms um outcome measures remote patient management and so much more so if you're listening to the podcast um and uh, you would like to join us live for that and ask some questions directly to the guys then yeah tuesday eight o'clock either on youtube or on the sports therapy association facebook page it will be there right so just leaves me to say thanks again steve miller thank you very much for coming along well thank you very much for having me matt really really appreciate it and i hope there's been some bits that people can take back away and apply i think that's the that's the key thing isn't it when you listen to these you want to apply some bits and bobs straight into your clinic thanks so much right gang uh look after each other and hopefully uh some of you will join us next week tuesday eight o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Take care. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.